Well, if you have your Bible this morning, turn with me to John 14, 6. You can turn there and kind of keep your finger. We're going to be jumping around a lot this morning. So the, the verses and the passages will be on the screen. Or you can uh, practice your Bible drill and see how quickly you can find as we turn back and forth. Uh, but our, our beginning text this morning will be John 14, 6. And, and we're going to be looking this morning at this question. If Jesus is the answer, what is the question? I'm going to explain that a little more here in just a minute, but I want to remind you that this is our second Sunday of going through uh, our beliefs at First Baptist. Now, this is not an extensive list of everything that we believe. Uh, This is instead looking at our six core beliefs and kind of an aspect of each of these core beliefs. It's not all-inclusive. If you want the all-inclusive picture, you can actually go to our website, fbcrobinson.com slash beliefs. It shows you our six core beliefs with a link to 39 articles that detail everything we believe spelled out uh, there in that document. Now, also, we'll be having our our members class. We're probably renaming that here very shortly uh, towards the end of March, where we kind of go into this in a lot more detail of the the specifics of our beliefs. Uh, So this morning, I just want to kind of give you a a reminder of what our six core beliefs are at First Baptist Church. Last week, we talked about the Bible is the Word of God, and we looked at an aspect of our faith in the Bible as the Word of God. Uh, Our second core belief is that salvation is only through Jesus Christ. Uh, Third, God alone is eternally perfect, and that's one we'll hit next week. I'm really excited because there's no way you can give me one sermon to talk about the characteristics of God being eternal and perfect, and yet I'm going to try, okay? Uh, Our fourth is man is created in God's image, uh, what we believe about humanity and how God created them special. Fifth, the church exists to serve, uh, talking about things that, that our church is supposed to be doing and how God has created his church. And finally, Jesus Christ will return. And with that return comes his, his consummation of all things in salvation and even in wrath and punishment for those who do not believe. Uh, these are kind of six core beliefs and also uh, categories that we have all of our other beliefs kind of fall under. Uh, Today, we're going to be looking at our second core belief, salvation is only through Jesus Christ. There's a lot we can talk about with this, but one thing that strikes me over and over and over again is we hear this phrase, Jesus is the answer. But you know where we get that that thought or that phrase from is from John 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me except, or no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is making very clear, it's, it's me. I am the one you're looking for. I am the, the answer to your question. But it, it gets me scratching my head a little bit. As a believer in Christ, I know that Jesus is the answer. I've been taught that Jesus is the answer since I was this big. I can recall lyrics from songs that talk about Jesus being the answer, but I can't help but wonder, if Jesus is the answer, what is the question? Is Jesus the answer to everything? I think that's what I I immediately go to, is hearing some Sunday school teacher from my youth telling me, well, Jesus is the answer to all things. I think, really? Because I'm trying to figure out whether I want a taco for lunch or a sandwich for lunch. Is the answer to that Jesus? You know? I'm sitting there this morning figuring out what I'm going to wear. Do I wear this sweater or do I wear another sweater? Is Jesus the answer to that question? No, the answer to that question is, Hannah, what am I wearing today? But in general, 
there are some questions that, that have just practical answers to, and even some spiritual questions that, that Jesus may not be the correct answer to. What, what exactly are the questions that are being asked that make us say the answer to that question is without a doubt Jesus Christ? And so this morning I want to look at three specific questions that we can answer Jesus is the answer. I love the new song we've introduced in the last couple of weeks, the He is Worthy song. And just over the, the last week, someone said, well, what do you think of that new song? It, it almost sounds a little bit like a catechism, you know, where you ask a question and you give an answer. And Baptists aren't known for catechisms. Uh, I'll, I'll take that back. Modern Baptists aren't known for catechisms. You go back to early Baptists and uh, they, they had catechisms where you ask a question and you'd recite an answer. And it, it feels a little like a, a different denomination. But I love it. Because it helps us to, to ask the questions that we're already thinking about and remind us that the answer is that Jesus Christ is worthy. And so this morning, we're playing a little bit of Jeopardy. We're giving you questions to fill in the blanks instead of answers. The answer is Jesus. What is the question? I'm going to look at three this morning. The first one is this. How can this broken world be fixed? How can this broken world be fixed i love this question because it gets asked all the time maybe not in this terminology maybe not with these exact words but the idea of this question permeates not our church but our culture it is all over everyone's mind as we look out and see a broken and divided world what is the solution we see brokenness in nearly every aspect of our lives. We see brokenness in our relationships. We see brokenness in our government. We see brokenness in our work. We see brokenness in the people that surround us. We see starving children. We see poverty. We see natural disasters. We see a world that is not what it is meant to be. And the world asks the question, how do you fix that? What's the solution? environmentally is it's getting more green government is it one political party or another in relationships is it getting my way finally we have these questions it's broken how does it get fixed and the answer to that question is through jesus christ now now that's a churchy answer and i'm not going to let you buy that as sufficient enough so i'm going to look at scripture and what the bible tells us about this broken world and how jesus is the one who is able to repair it romans 5 uh, verse or i'm sorry romans 8 verse 22 paul reminds us that all creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now did you know that scripture confirms that we live in a broken world It's not as if the Bible has its head in the sand and just says Jesus is the answer. There is acknowledgement that there is real sin and brokenness, hurt in this world. All the way back in the book of Genesis, we see this brokenness beginning because of the sinfulness of man. We see the effects of Adam and Eve's decision to disobey God. And and instead of living in a perfect utopian garden, a society that, that has fellowship, perfect fellowship with God and with man, instead, we see the brokenness begin. What is the first thing that happens when Adam and Eve sin? One of the very first things that happen when God calls them out, he calls out, Adam, where are you? The first thing that happens is Adam breaks his relationship with his spouse. 
oh God, that woman you gave me, she gave me that fruit. Throws her under the bus. You know how many times I've thrown up my hands and said, God, that woman you gave me, you know? (laughs) That's the effects of sin, right? It breaks our relationships. And the very next thing we see is it breaks the world. It's not just Adam and Eve who are cursed, but it says the entire ground is cursed. The earth is cursed. The serpent himself is cursed. Everything about this world is broken and fallen because of the decision of Adam and Eve to disobey God. And for the rest of Scripture, even to today, we see the effects of brokenness on the world. That's why we read about men who we think are faithful men of God who are doing horrible and despicable things. Read of Moses, who wrote the first five books of the Bible, led the people of Israel out of the nation of Egypt, and we read about him committing murder. We think about King David and how how royal and, and great he is, the greatest king that Israel ever had, and he got caught in adultery, followed by murder. His entire reign was marked with war. We see the book of Job, and we realize a man who has not committed sin deserving of his punishment. He was a righteous man who is suffering immensely. We see the brokenness that he experiences. We see in the New Testament, Jesus going and finding blind and lame individuals. The disciples ask him, this man, he's blind. What made him blind? Did he sin to make him blind? Or has he been blind from birth? And Jesus tells him the brokenness of this world is why he is blind modern day we can see natural brokenness in our own lives and in the world around us scripture acknowledges we live in a really messed up creation and so i want to look at how the world is broken in three ways that jesus answers this question of how he fixes the broken world beginning with creation itself we said the ground was even cursed The brokenness of the world is overcome by the salvation of Jesus Christ. And we find that in the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 9. Now listen to the specific application we can apply this to this morning. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. Now we know that Christ is coming to save us from our sins personally. But listen to what else Christ is coming for. And the government... That broken, messed up government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Did you know that Jesus Christ is the answer to world peace? Did you know that Jesus came so that ultimately he can restore the broken world? Now, we are not living in that restoration. We see the brokenness still. But there is a promise in Isaiah 9. And you can read again in Revelation 21 and throughout Scripture that there will come a time when all of creation is restored to how God created it. Jesus Christ came to earth to overcome that penalty of sin and restore this broken world. But it's not just the earth and creation that was broken. We talked about how Adam and Eve broke their relationship with each other. Our relationships with other people are broken as well. Don't raise your hand, don't point fingers, and don't even turn your head. Look straight ahead so you don't give this away. But how many of you all have someone right now that you can think of that you have a broken relationship with? Don't look at them, don't point to them, okay? 
I think every single one of us have an individual in mind that we go, yeah, they're, they're all not on my good list, right? They're, they're on my bad side. They, they've not really earned favor with me. You know, we have broken relationships all over the place. It, it permeates not just our, our minor, I'm upset with this person now, but in our major where we see divorce skyrocketing in numbers. We see families being broken and, and torn apart. We, we see individuals who, who struggle through and have a hard time maintaining relationships with each other. Can I just go ahead and, and give you guys a little secret? I don't think she minds me sharing this. I know she doesn't because she would say the same thing. Hannah and I don't have a perfect marriage. We really don't. We've got a marriage that I, I love her deeply, and I, I hope she loves me deeply. Amen over there, maybe? You know, we, we, we care about each other immensely. But you know what? The same struggles that you're going through, we go through. The same fights that you guys have, we, we've had those fights. The, the same disagreements and stubbornness that exists in your marriage exists at least on my end in our marriage. And I know that we have an imperfect, broken marriage. Why? Because the effects of sin have shattered our relationships. Maybe for you it's, it extends to, to brothers and sisters or, or parents. Maybe it's coworkers or, or former friends who have hurt you. We have relationships that are broken. This is nothing new. You know, in the New Testament, Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus. And he is reminding them of two groups of people that have had kind of a, a broken history. That is, the people of Israel, God's chosen people in the Old Testament, and the Gentiles, which is a, a Bible word for the rest of the world who are not Israelites. And there's tension between these two groups. The Israelites have always thought, because God has chosen to use us, we're vastly superior. And therefore, the Gentiles resented them. There's constant war between Israel and their surrounding neighbors. There's this, this arrogance with Israel. And there's also a, a real set-apartness to them as well. God is really using them the way he's not using the rest of the world. And so there was enmity and strife between the, the people of Israel and the Gentiles. And Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. He begs them and pleads them to realize that Jesus Christ has fixed that brokenness. That there is no longer strife between the nation of Israel and the rest of the world. But that that relationship, along with all other person-to-person -person relationship, has been restored. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. Paul writes, He himself is our peace, who has made us both, Israel and Gentile, one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Did you know that Jesus Christ came to fix the broken relationship that you have with other people? In a very real sense, Jesus Christ came as a purpose to mend broken relationships we have with each other. But even greater than all of that, Jesus Christ came to mend the, the brokenness of the world, the brokenness of our person-to-person -person relationship, but the greatest the greatest mending happens when Jesus Christ mends the relationship between God the Creator and man His creation. Jesus Christ is the answer to the brokenness of our own hearts. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 reminds us that we were enemies of God. And he says, God showed His love for us and that while we were still sinners, still enemies, still broken, in that moment Christ died for us. 
If we look around and ask, what is the solution to the brokenness of this world? What is the solution to the brokenness of our relationships? And most importantly, what is the solution to the brokenness, uh, the broken fellowship between me and my Creator? The answer is the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. How can this broken world be fixed? Jesus is the answer. To a second question of we ask ourselves, we find Jesus to be the answer to is, is where can I find purpose in life? If Jesus restores me, if Jesus heals my brokenness, what am I supposed to do? I would say over 50%, maybe 75% of pastoral questions that I get asked have to do with what is God's will for my life? What does God want me to do? Sometimes they're just general. I'm trying to figure out how I can serve or what I should be doing. Sometimes they're specific. How can God grow me in my marriage? What does God want me to do in this relationship? What does God want me to do with work? Should I take this job or should I take that job? What is God's will for my life and and where I live? Should I sell my house and move? Should I stay where I'm at? What is God's purpose in my finances? This might make more money, but might sacrifice some time with family. What is God's will and purpose in my life? We ask this question all the time. And what I love about this question is, it's not just the church that asks this question. It's everyone in the history of the world. What am I doing here? Why am I on this earth? What is my purpose? Where can I find purpose in what seems like an overwhelming society? And the answer is, we find purpose in Jesus Christ. John chapter 10, verse 10 tells us, The thief came to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus says, came that you may have life and have it abundantly. You know, the purpose of Jesus coming was to take you from death into life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This world is around us, and it will steal, kill, and destroy us. But Jesus Christ came to change us from death to life. I like to ask people all the time, what can a dead person do? What is the purpose? What what is their purpose in death? Well, a dead person doesn't do anything. They're they're lifeless and have have no purpose in their death. However, what does a live person do? Well, that's the question that we're asked. A live person has purpose, has meaning. There are tasks for them to accomplish. There are things here on this earth that they are meant to do. And Jesus Christ has come to take us from dead, purposeless lives to, to alive and vibrant and abundant lives full of purpose and meaning. John had later recorded for us in John 15, 15. Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and saved you. I appointed you. I gave you purpose so that you can go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Jesus says, I came, I chose you, and I appointed you. That's another great way of saying, I gave you purpose. I gave your life meaning. I put you here and appointed you for a specific reason. Now go and live that out. Bear fruit. Without Christ, our our life really is about getting what we can until we die. I've said numerous times, if I did not have faith, I would probably be the greediest person who has ever lived. 
It's not that I don't love people, but if I believe this is my one shot at doing whatever I want, I'm going to do what I want, when I want, how I want, because I never get that back. Without Christ, there's no reason to think of others. There's no reason to think of eternity. All there is is eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. There's no purpose in that. But in Christ, there's life, and there's meaning, and there's purpose. Now all of a sudden, I'm not living in this life for me and for what I want. I'm living in this life for eternity and the next. I know that the the promise of of comfort and perfection exists in heaven. So right now, my purpose is to do whatever I can in obedience to God so that I may receive that abundant life. Jesus Christ has appointed us. He's given us purpose to go and bear fruit. We ask the question, where can I find purpose in life? We can look for it a hundred different places, but we only find the answer in Jesus Christ. The final question I think people ask regularly is, who cares about me? One of the effects of living in a broken world is is that we, we feel a broken love. And I'm saddened to read numerous cases of people who, who find no purpose, find no meaning, and feel unloved. I think this world, not just the church, begs the question, who really cares and loves me? Who really invests in me and, and does what's best for me? Who looks after me? And the answer to that question is Jesus Christ. Peter wrote several letters, first and second Peter, to, uh, to a church that was under extreme persecution. Um, they were literally being arrested, uh, imprisoned, uh, beaten, uh, many of them killed, some of them very viciously martyred. He writes to this church and he's trying to give them some, some glimpse of hope because they're, they're a church that feels, well, quite honestly, abandoned. Where is God in the midst of this suffering? Where is God when I see my family members arrested and killed? Where is God when when everything around me seems to be falling? And they're asking the question internally, does God care about me? Is He there? And Peter writes to them. He, He implores them to not look at this life, but look at the next. That there are persecutions in this life, but God knows what He's doing. And he, he writes specifically in 1 Peter chapter 5 to the pastors of the churches. And he says, listen, there's a lot going on. Shepherd and care and love your flock. They're experiencing persecution. Be the love of Christ in their lives. And then he tells them in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxieties. Maybe your translation says cares. Cast all your anxieties on him, on Christ. Why? <laughs> Because He cares for you. Let us not forget, in the midst of a broken world, where we feel like all is lost, where persecution seems to abound, that Jesus Christ cares for you. John writes three beautiful letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, that focus a lot on the love that God has for us. First John reminds us in chapter 3, verse 1, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. 
Don't belittle the fact that God calls you his child. I love a lot of people in this world. I love all of you all. But I don't love you the same way I love my family. (laughs) I love you, I just don't. (laughs) My children have a special relationship with me that I don't have with anyone else on on the planet. I would I would do anything for any of you. I would die for my children. And this is the love that the Father has for us. That he would call us his children and even go to the cross on our behalf. 1 John chapter 3, 1 continues to remind us the reason the world doesn't know us is that it did not know him. Maybe this morning you've never known that love of Christ. Maybe you're one that John is referring to here that that doesn't know how much God cares for you. Can I tell you the answer to that question, who cares for me and who loves me? If you would like to know that, is the person of Jesus Christ. He cares immensely for his creation. John continues to to ask us and beg us, will you you look at the love God has for you? Will you live in that love? And then he gives us a confident statement in 1 John 5, verse 13. After writing all about the love of Christ, he writes, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This morning, you may have a lot of questions, but can we answer one of them for you this morning? Can we help you know something beyond the shadow of a doubt this morning? That although we live in a broken world, Jesus Christ came and died on a cross to restore creation, relationships, and the relationship between you and God. We know beyond the shadow of a doubt that he has a specific will and purpose for your life. And that Jesus Christ came to help you fulfill that purpose. And we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ loves you so much that he would call you his child and would die on a cross for you. If Jesus is the answer, what is the question? I think the question is, do we have faith and trust in this Jesus Christ who loves us and restores us? Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, your word says that no one can come to the Father. No one can overcome this brokenness. No one can be restored except through you. Lord, we know this morning that we suffer immensely. But we know you promise restoration. You promise forgiveness. You promise to give us purpose and that you care. Lord, this morning we we pray that we would submit to you And just as John wrote to us, that we would know, no longer with questions about whether you care, whether you love, whether you heal, but to know that by confessing our sins to you, allowing you to die on our behalf, Lord, that we receive salvation. Lord, we know you are the answer to what ails this world. You're the answer to what separates or restores our separation. You're the answer to what gives us purpose and meaning. You're the answer because of your great love for us. We submit to you this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen.